It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And James, you got Mike dancing today. Bengals Sands joins us for our All-22 film review episode of the week. The All-22 tells the truth, and uh, we're going to get into the offensive line's performance, the general performance in terms of protection when the Bengals went empty, I think, 15 or so times on 34-ish dropbacks. For Joe Burrow on Sunday, we're going to talk about where the problems were for the offensive line and for the protection on Sunday, as there is a lot of narrative, let's say, going around on Twitter today, Dan Orlovsky, Ben Baby, etc., talking about all these protection stats in terms of pass block win rate and consistent protection issues, depending on who you ask. So, of course, we start there. We'll then talk about how Joe Burrow played, generally speaking, what went wrong on his, on his already pretty well-dissected interceptions, I would say. We'll see if All-22 revealed anything new there. And then we'll talk about the defense, which has certainly been the bright spot for this team early. Before we get into that, quick news. Jacquez Patrick no longer on the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad, as many fans feared he has been scooped. The San Francisco 49ers have been decimated at the position and have picked up Patrick. And we'll see if he gets a shot to play with Mike Shanahan's potent running attack in San Francisco. To replace him on the practice squad, the Bengals brought back preseason interior offensive lineman Lamont Gilliard after trying out three interior linemen. They brought back the guy they had in the preseason. News out of the way, Mike. Last week, we talked about putting together a weekly segment on the offensive line report cards. We're going to give out grades to each individual offensive lineman and talk about protection on the whole, what went right, what went wrong. But let's start with those grades. A being it's essentially a perfect game. F being this guy needs to be benched or cut. C being adequate average game. And then B and D obviously being in between those things, above average, below average, respectively. Mike. What does your offensive line report card look like for week one, two, week two? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready for week <laughs> one, but week two. Okay, so um, I'll go left to right. Jonah Williams to me was a D, which was disappointing. Uh, it kind of goes with a D for disappointing. Um, had some issues processing. And the main one that really sticks out to me is the sack, the first sack of the game, Khalil Mack and um, Robert Quinn, almost said Robert Woods for some reason. Robert Quinn uh, were on the left side, and Mack was pushed over all the way to like a heavy five, four technique type thing right, at, right around the tackle, and Quinn was right outside him. And that is just screaming red light for there's a stunt coming. <laughs> like, why is Khalil Mack inside? Why is he all the way out there? because he's picking the tackle. 
Um, and I thought Spain actually did an okay job trying to push Mac over and take the looper, but Jonah, he, he was too far out, didn't keep his level. It looked like he wasn't ready for a stunt. He was ready to just protect against Robert Quinn, and he got picked. And it's really a sack, almost like it should be a half sack for Mac. It's like the pick and roll in basketball. He said a great pick, and the other guy just <laughs> rolled around and got an easy bucket. So that that's the main issue I saw was processing was just, uh, and he's normally so good at it. So it was weird. And then in the run game, he wasn't sustaining his blocks that well. He wasn't getting a ton of movement. It wasn't an F performance, maybe to like where I expect him to play because I think he's the best member of the offensive line, but relative to actual, what is this on a A to F scale? It's a D to me. Um, Pass protection-wise, he actually did good against the moves, I thought. Just Robert Quinn trying to throw out a speed rush or a cross chop or anything like that. He seemed fine around that. But, yeah, processing issues. Mike, as far as Jonah goes, um, what goes into the the communication? We, we say communication, and we've heard Zach Taylor and those guys talk about it a ton, and we've talked about it a ton. Do – Jonah Williams and Quentin Spain talk right before the play, right before the snap. Is there a signal? Like what, what goes into that? Does, does the road crowd ha- have anything to do with them probably or him potentially struggling in that area? Yeah, uh, this is something I definitely have experienced. I was a left guard in high school and my twin brother was actually the left tackle. So we didn't communicate that much. <laughs> we just looked and knew what we were doing. Uh, but it just varies from team to team. I assume once Spain and I assume Jonah, but he didn't pick it up, it seemed like. He didn't think there was a stunt coming. Once they saw that front, they that Spain would be like, hey, look out, look out, look out. There's going to be a crasher coming your way. But he didn't keep his level, and I blame that mostly on Jonah because Spain had nobody to pass it off to. Uh, there's communication. There's It's basically on things like that, it's just telling him, look out, there's a stunt. Maybe you say T-E, E-T, something like that. Just keep your eyes up, basically, like – they're doing something here. Uh, there's a lot of communication in the run game to try to do doubles or comedy blocks. Like I'm wide zone and there's a guy that's a little bit out for you. So I'm going to ricochet. Maybe say Rico call Rico Rico or deuce for guard tackle, things like that. Uh, so a lot of communication. There's a lot of communication in football in general. Like there's a ton of stuff that doesn't get picked up, but yeah, specifically for offensive line and that play specifically, it's, probably Spain or Jonah saying look out, but I assume Spain since Jonah didn't pick it up. Let's keep going down the offensive line. We have a few minutes left to talk about the rest of these offensive linemen. Quentin Spain, I think, has been credited for zero pressures if you trust PFF, and it looked like by some accounts, Trey Hopkins had a bit of a bounce back. How did you see the rest of these guys play on the offensive line? Yeah, I'll try to go quicker. (laughs) Uh, Quentin Spain was a B to me, and I thought he was a solid B, um, specifically in in pass protection. He was good to me. Uh, When I first saw the game, I thought, well, these communication issues, they might be on him too, but like almost every single one, it was Jonah's not at the right level for him to pass this off. He's got to try to do this. And uh, what he was asked, like we've talked about it, off the air but that mollying and you think it might just be him being a uh, superman uh where he dropped back to pick up the edge rusher i mean that's tough that's some tough stuff to do uh so yeah he had a tough job and he got a b on it without 
adjusting for that. I thought Trey was also about a B performance a little bit. I would say Spain was the best performer on the offensive line. And the only reason I think that is because Trey's job was a little bit easier, specifically in pass protection. They don't, they don't go nose heavy like Minnesota went. So that's part of the reason why he might've had this bounce back game is he didn't have too many one-on-one uh, protection opportunities. Xavier Suofilo was also a D and probably the worst member of the offensive line. Now I think he has an injury and I think it might've happened in the first quarter. He got rolled up on early. So that could be why he didn't perform that well, but it was probably the worst on the team. Weirdly enough, I think his processing, what Jonah struggled with was actually fine. He just couldn't pick things up when it happened. Like he knew what was happening and he just, he wasn't mobile enough to pick it up or the guy overpowered him when he looped through. Uh, Reef, I have a C, uh, pretty solid. And he went against Khalil Mack. So maybe I'm grading a little bit on a curve. He had the most snaps against Mack from my viewing, from what I recall. Uh, yeah, he did okay. And there's specifically some reps. He's one-on-one with Khalil Mack and Mack tries to go outside and he gets there first. So he tries to counter spin inside and he does the Willie Anderson to have one, one hand on the front side, one hand on the back. So when you spin, you just kind of go nowhere. And I was like, this is, this is good offensive line play. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess in order to be from best to worst, it's Spain with a B, Hopkins with a B, and then Reef with a C, and then there's the two Ds, Jonah and then Xavier Suofilo. I do think that Jonah kind of leveled out as the game went on, but there were some issues in run blocking, as you mentioned as well. One play in particular, an outside zone, I think you clipped it, or maybe Lauren Cox, a locked-on Bears guy, clipped it, where the, the outside zone is going left, and Robert Quinn just gets inside Jonah, who ends up having to try to follow him against the grain of the zone, and the edge ends up getting set because Jonah's not out there leading the way, so... Certainly some issues for him. And this is just a guy that you don't expect to put up these bad performances. And so you hope he bounces back. And for Suofilo, it just looked like he was on the ground too much. And maybe that injury had something to do with it. We'll talk a little bit more about the offensive line. Maybe Joe Burrow's making these guys look a little worse, depending on who you ask with his comfort in the pocket and his ability to manage the pocket as he's trying to come back from his ACL surgery. We'll get into Burrow's performance and how that plays in with the offensive line coming up next. But before we do that, well, we're way into football season at this point and odds are changing. The rookie of the year odds, maybe you thought it was going to be Trevor Lawrence going away and now all of a sudden it's Mac Jones in New England. Well, Bet Online has you covered for all the odds, props, and contests. The number one source for everything football. Go over to Bet Online right now. Check out everything available to you. And when you sign up, if you're a new user, we've got a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit just for signing up. That's with promo code NFL100. From football to basketball coming back up, boxing right to your favorite casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. Who doesn't like saving money? I know I do. You do. Bengal Sands does. Jake certainly does. Well, there's an incredible app that's going to allow you, me, and everybody else to save money. All you got to do is download it. It's called GetUpside. People are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. And who doesn't need to gas up their car? Well, everybody does, right? So 
All you got to do is download it in the App Store or uh, in Google Play. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and you're going to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. It's up to 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Go to the App Store right now. Download GetUpside and save money instantly with promo code TOUCHDOWN. So it's that simple. You got a smartphone. I know it. We both know it. So do it right now. Get upside promo code touchdown to save a bunch of money every time you fill up. I love saving money. I would love it if <laughs> Joe Burrow could bail out this offensive line a little bit more than he has too. And this is going to sound harsh to Burrow, but this wow. is something that may have happened, right? He's coming off of a severe ACL knee injury. You see this with guys coming off of these injuries all the time where there's a bit of an acclimation period, and we might be seeing that a little bit. Joe Goodberry with the stat points out from PFF that something like 40% of Joe Burrow's pressures this year have turned into sacks. Last year, that number was 26%. The highest in the league was 29%. And last year, we attributed this to Burrow's trying to extend the play. This is his playing style. He's trying to push things this year. You know, it depends on who you believe. Ben Baby said, you know, according to Next Gen Stats, all of Joe Burrow's sacks have come three plus seconds after the snap. But you go look at PFF and they have it at 2.88 seconds as his average time to sack. I'm not sure how these guys count, like where the sack time is. And maybe that's part of the discrepancy. But with the amount of free rushers they've had, it's not all on Burrow. But there's a play very clearly that sticks out in my mind, the second sack of the game where... To, I think to end the first half, there's a fairly decent pocket for Joe. And as soon as there's something close to him, he, he drops his knees, he drops his eyes, he tries to spin out. It's ineffective. We've seen this a couple times. He's had one spin out that was effective in week one. There was a free rusher up, I think, A gap, B gap. It was inside. He spins, he finds Joe Mixon. Another time he tried to spin out of a sack in week one, didn't go so well. This week, again, he tries to spin out of a sack, and it's really ineffective. And, and, you know, last year, I think we saw more of the subtle movements, the small side steps, and stepping up in the pocket. And I think some of those opportunities have been missed by Joe, and certainly not all of them, and not all of the protection is on the offensive line. But when you when you watch Joe Burrow in the pocket this week, Mike, how much of this did you see, and, and what were your takeaways that maybe I haven't already insinuated? As for the sacks, yeah, the second sack I had pretty much completely on him. It's the end of the half. Uh, They ran slot fades on each side with a seam ball down the middle. And nothing was really open, open. Like he wasn't throwing the ball downfield to the slot fade, letting him run underneath it and scoring an 80-yard touchdown. But it looked like he could have probably thrown one of them back shoulder. And he's at hits the bottom of his drop, and this is – one thing with empty is that your internal clock is basically bottom of the drop, one hitch. I've probably got to go. I've probably got to make something happen here. And that's kind of what happened. His eyes dropped and he wasn't, he could still throw. And I, I think he just, I don't know if he didn't trust it from there or what, but then he does that little spin and it was really a little spin. <laughs> he didn't like move anywhere. He got of just spun in place and got sacked. Uh, yeah, you know he's been spinning left a lot. It's like he's watched a – and he used to do this at, at LSU, and he did it last year. 
it's it's kind of like he watched Tony Romo, but just the highlights from when he used to do that same spin all the time and not just the uh, little subtle movements that go with it. Last year specifically, yes, there were the small movements, but also what I haven't seen a lot of this year is just sprinting out right, rolling right like that. And especially with Reef over there, he's got better protection on that side now to be able to do that. So, I mean, maybe he did it more often because Bobby Hart would have the guy come right up to him, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it could be the injury. It could be that he's not trusting himself as much as he used to. Um, just getting a feel for all this. The, what, there was reports month, probably months ago at this point that he was even just having trouble with guys around him. and He seems to be comfortable there now. He's throwing and guys are falling down around him or he's throwing while getting hit a few times and he's not like picking his leg up or anything like that. Anything you really worry about. He's just not also doing the super burrow stuff of making a guy miss other than Everson Griffin week one and that free rusher play you talked about. Um, he's not making a guy miss rolling, right? Throwing the ball deep down the sideline to T Higgins or anything. He's just where he is right now. And I'm sure it will improve as he gets more comfortable. How um, how many throws do you think he left out there? Because I think we we remember the post to Higgins. That was obviously one. The deep ball to Chase before the one that actually connected, which wasn't a good throw that Chase made him look good on, uh, especially from the all-22 angle. You could really see it. Um, but other than those two, and those are two big ones, right, that he left out there, uh, are there any other plays that were obvious when you went back and watched that it was like, ooh, Burrow last year probably makes that play or – I'd expect Burrow in year two to see that or find that guy. How many times? And I know you're estimating here, but but did you notice that? Was it was it more than a handful? Was it just a couple? It was the two big ones you mentioned. Uh, the yeah. one I just mentioned so there's about, two. Yeah, <laughs> one I just mentioned about the slot fade. I think he could have tried to fit in there, and it's yep. not not that difficult. Not sorry, wrong word. It's not that dangerous of a throw if you throw it back shoulder because he's shielded. Um, I want to say about like six, seven, maybe. Uh, and I'm not talking just deep shots. I mean, like he missed a play action. He looked deep, looked deep. Everything's covered. And he went to throw the underneath route and sailed it. So like that's leaving yards on the board still just three, four yards. But Burrow last year probably hits that. He doesn't sail the ball over his head. Uh, so you have those. Can't think of too many more specifics, but I know that there were some shots that I think Maybe Burrow last year even just makes a guy miss and rolls right and throws it. Uh, yeah, I mean, wasn't perfect on Sunday. Uh, it was actually not a good performance, in my opinion. But also, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, I It didn't make me less optimistic for the future. I just thought he got rattled from getting hit so many times and empty and all that stuff. So let's talk empty. Because there's a point of debate here, right? This is something that Burrow is hypothetically very comfortable with. But like you say, it speeds up the clock. And I think for, for Joe on Sunday, it looked like it maybe was sped up a little bit too much. The Bengals have gone away from some of the play action stuff they did last year. I thought we'd see more under center, more of the offense based on the outside zone and those looks. Do you think that we'll see as much empty going forward? Or did that adjustment just not really click this week? It seemed like at halftime they made an adjustment and it was yeah. both less empty and then also when they went empty, they did 
what I think you should do with this offensive line when you go empty because you didn't go for the all-star 2015 Cowboys offensive line. You went for the passable offensive line and make it easier on them. So attach a tight end. And that just means you can block with six guys now. Yeah, and gives you an option, you, right? Yes, whether you leave him in completely or he's just chipping and releasing. I thought there was going to be more chips on Mac. I mean, there were plays he got chipped, and there was one place where he got chipped twice on the way out. Uh, Uzama hit him, and then Mixon hit him on the way out before – by the time that uh, he got to Jonah, I mean, the ball was out. Uh, so there were chips, but I thought there would be more, and a lot of those happened in the second half. So I think if we go empty, and specifically this week coming up, especially because I think T.J. Watts play, and I don't know, I might just be traumatized from the Steelers' history of this guy's going to be out, and he's he's, he's out there – snap one and he gets a sack or something. I think you got to at least leave a guy to chip, whether that's yeah. mixing close to the line or that's sample or Uzama close to the line or both. Yeah. It's something that we'll see if they adjust to it's something they did, especially in the fourth quarter. I noticed on a couple of deep shots, they kept guys in, they kept guys tight and they chipped with him and it worked out. There are pitfalls to that. Of course, that, you know, have been pointed out. You keep guys into chip, you, you get, uh, uh, simulated pressures and you end up with a tight end on Khalil Mack. And that's what you have to watch out for when you do it too much because defenses can trick you. But speaking of defense, let's talk Bengals defense. One of the bright spots of this team in this young season, we'll get into the defense with Mike coming up next. Before we do that, let's talk again about the best way to bring all of your devices together with direct TV stream. It'll let you watch the game live It'll let you watch your favorite shows. It'll let you watch highlights after the game. Whatever you need to watch, DirecTV Stream has you covered. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together. And there's really nothing like it that's been around before. You can watch all those things in one place. No more juggling remotes. No more new devices. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream and go learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. You hear us talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals for a reason. Look, I've won daily right here if you see it on YouTube. And if not, this is a cookie dough chunk. I'm going to devour this 150 calorie, 15 gram protein masterpiece because it's covered in 100 chocolate it's packed with protein it's low in calories it's low in sugar it's perfect for a post-workout snack midday snack maybe post podcast snack if you're me and uh yeah so if you're listening right now just go to builtbar.com check out all nine flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor and when you go to make that first purchase use promo code locked 15 you're going to get 15% off your first order. It's, it's that simple. Lock 15, 15% off, more free money, plus an amazing protein bar. So go there now, builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Well, we've talked plenty about the offense. The protection struggles have been chronicled. We haven't even mentioned necessarily Joe Mixon's whiff. And we had some questions in the mailbag. We talked about it yesterday. And the thing with Mixon, before you guys get too hard on Mixon, and before we get to the defenses, I think he's like pass protected like six times this year. So he's had a couple misses for sure, but let's let's let that sample size grow a little bit before we make too many sweeping declarations. Although I would say I still miss Giovanni Bernard's reliableness. 
a little bit back there. But let's talk defense. The interior defensive line continues to shine for this team. Josh Dupo uh, is obviously the first guy I'll ever mention, but DJ Reader is is the star of the show. And BJ Hill acquired for Billy Price has also been very good. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, the one-year three-tech stopgap, has been uh, really explosive, I'll say, even though there's been you know, some inconsistency if you buy into PFF stuff at all. But I think Ogunjobi's been good too. So really all across the interior defensive line, really good. Mike, what else are you seeing from this team? Eli Apple, certainly a sore spot in the secondary, but is this defense reformed in Luana Rumo's, uh, what, third year now? It looks better. And that starts up front. That's DJ Reader got a sack last week and he's been getting pressure. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi's been getting pressure, and, I mean, he gets into the backfield before anybody moves sometimes. Uh, B.J. Hill's doing a great job on over there, and your guy Tupo, is, he's been awesome too. And then even Hendrickson, uh, he, I think he's been good. And I also think that uh, I saw a statistic, and I think he was top five in uh, pressure rate on true pass sets, which would be – non-play action, non-RPO type things. Yep. So, yeah, awesome. I remembered. Uh, he's been good. I, I liked what I saw, and he got a sack. Was it one sack or one and a half sacks? I think he got to – he got the one strip sack. Okay, one yeah. and a half. I know he got him twice. I was like – I think there were – I think one was a solo. I think the strip sack was a solo sack. And then oh, almost a third one. <laughs> Just out of uh, room. Real quick, how, how big of a – and this is a serious question, and I don't know if you can answer it from the All-22. How big of a factor do you think the defensive line being on the Bilt Bar plan has had on their awesome start to the 2021 season? Well, DJ Reader has been eating, so. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Sands went with it. I was worried. I threw it out there. That's uh, – I like that. Yeah, he's been skipping the cereal and eating the Bilt Bars. <laughs> yeah, he um, replaces breakfast with Bilt Bars. That's right. Uh, one one area of this defense that you know had a lot of questions just because of youth and inexperience. Linebackers, Logan Wilson flashed a couple of times, uh, good and almost great. If he had scooped that one up and scored and, and made that game changing play, how, how did he play on Sunday? He was good. He was good. Uh, I really liked what I saw. He did the. Same thing that we just we just talked about before this recording, but uh, same exact pressure pretty much that we gave to Minnesota, when, that the Bengals gave to Minnesota when uh, they scored a touchdown to Thielen. He basically blitzes from a zero man, zero man, which is man blitz, nobody deep. There's no help really. And if if Logan gets picked up, he basically taps the guy and sprint and shuffles side shuffles backwards to get into the passing window and uh yeah he got into the correct one because fields threw it right at him didn't see him didn't think he was dropping and uh huge play there were other plays too he he fit the run pretty well uh especially when nobody would get up to him like dj reader was eating a double team and he could go off of that fall back type yeah eating his built bar wall eating the double team um he could fall back and fit the run easily because two guys are occupied by one that's a win for the defense yeah i really i really liked him and i think akeem davis gaither was good 
I think even I think some people have been saying bad things, but I thought Jermaine Pratt played pretty well. And there's specifically a play in the first quarter. Two of three guys, two of the Bengals players run into each other and a wide receiver for the Bears. And there's a midfield collision like an interstate. And he perfectly robot uh, after play action, running back, back to the quarterback, sprinting back to find the first crosser. He picks it up and he saves a touchdown. That's, I mean, didn't show up in a stat sheet as an interception or anything, but saved a touchdown because the guy covering him got hit and he was laying down in the middle of the field. And that guy was running right to the end zone. So that was a great job. I thought he had, he had another one. I think it was a run stop and got in there. And when he tackles guys, he hits them like a truck. <laughs> they stop movement and he just kind of sits down until they fall down. Uh, so linebackers I've been impressed with. I think that's kind of been what has taken this defense from what they're like six and like points or some other stats. They're, they're top 10 in most statistics and it's taken them from what could be an average unit, especially with Eli Apple being able to get picked on. I think he's, he wasn't as bad this week as he was last week. There were situations he was impressed man against Darnell Mooney and he actually did a good job. Uh, but it's taken the defense from just being a decent unit to being a good unit so far. And it seems like they found a way to use Von Bell with these linebackers that has been really effective early in the season. Still saw some of that three safety stuff with uh, Sean Davis, the practice squad call up. And I certainly saw less of it. And that could just be, you know, the way the game went and the, the kinds of defenses that the Bengals were putting on the field in response to the bears. But, that's why we bring you on the show, Mike, to tell us about the Jermaine Pratt robots that save touchdowns that, you know, we, we didn't see already. I mean, everybody saw the Logan Wilson play. And by the way, he was pretty close on the Adam Thielen play last week, and he just didn't really get back there fast enough. But he was like a step away from breaking that pass up, probably. And this week he gets back a little bit quicker and gets into the lane and makes, uh, makes Justin Fields pay for not seeing it, even though they showed that same look. Justin Fields needs to step up his tape study game, not not be a Rob Gronkowski relying on Tom Brady to watch film for him every week. Let's talk Jesse Bates. Let's let's finish the show with Jesse Bates. You and I did an episode in the offseason talking about how great Jesse Bates is. He hasn't made any spectacular splash plays in pass coverage yet. He's made a few nice tackles coming downhill on some third and longs, but... How has he looked and, and what are offenses doing to mitigate his impact? Because we talked about that with free safety, right? Like you can take him away in some ways. You can mitigate the things that he can do to the game. And he hasn't made any of those massive game-changing plays yet. Is that a result of the way offenses are scheming to attack the Bengals defense? Ooh, yeah. Uh, well, there's that. There's a little bit of that. There's, um, also, they've been using him a little bit more. He's been deep, single high, but they use him a little bit less in that role this year so far from what I've seen. Uh, and, I mean, that that was, to me, his, his greatest uh, trait was being able to go single high, sideline to sideline. And even when he's been single high, we haven't seen the play from middle of the field or opposite hash all the way to the sideline to break it up, but... I think one reason is, yes, they're scheming more things to 
attack Eli Apple mid and outside or something like that. Or they play cover three beaters where it's a guy running away from leverage and it's very difficult for anybody to make that play. It has nothing to do with your talent. Just that's, that's why you can't play cover three all the time because there's stuff that beats it. Um, but overall, I think Jesse Bates has been good. I don't think he has made the impact he made last year, but part of that could also be this is why it's hard to tell if this would be why, like maybe they're not attacking Eli Apple on these fade routes because they saw last year, Jesse Bates can get out there. So instead of a fade, they run a comeback or they run a deep out. So there's an impact that could be the uh, off season tape watch of let's watch Jesse Bates and, okay, we have to prepare for this guy now. Instead, last year, he was seen more as spotty, I want to say. Like, he had great performances, but there were also some bad performances in there. It was very streaky. I think that's a better word. And now offensive coordinators see him as somebody we need to avoid. So there's those type of things. Uh, And there's been a little bit more two high looks, which you just attack the other one, whether that's Sean Davis or that's, Von Bell or even Ricardo Allen, you go to that side. I mean, that's what I would do. Uh, So there's all that. Uh, I think the longer we get into the season, it's all about these small sample sizes. You mentioned with Joe Mixon with the only six pass protection opportunities, which I want to say that I think two of those got graded as the worst you could have with the missed pickup and the interception caused. So that really drives down the grade Uh, because he had good ones. Uh, anyway, that was a tangent. Uh, he hasn't had the opportunity to make the deep play on the fade ball. And if I'm going to take a bold prediction, he gets it this week because Ben Roethlisberger loves taking that shot, the sailing floaty shot to chase Claypool to let him try to make a play. So maybe you see Jesse Bates try to get involved with one of those and maybe it goes well, maybe it goes poorly. Who knows? Well, that's something we'll look for Sunday because he's been taking those shots to him. Uh, I remember week one, Claypool made a play over Tredavious White. And then this week, I think he had all of them broken up. And there were like three of them. So he's going to get tested, I think. I think Ben Roethlisberger sees Eli Apple and he sees an advantage. Well, we'll see if Eli Apple plays this week or if Grandpa Ben will have a chance to pick on him or not. I think I'm going to start calling him Grandpa Ben. At this point in his career. We'll see if that one sticks or if it's just as bad as Evan's Evan McPherson's nickname from my esteemed co-host, James Rapine. The other that thing I just want to... That did stick. Get out of here. The other the thing that I just want to note real quick before we get out, and this is to do no. with Jesse Bates, the, the uh, not testing him. A lot of Justin Fields' throws were like down the sideline. Lauren Cox, uh, Locked on Bears host posted the passing chart for Justin Fields. There were no passes that were like even inside the numbers really anywhere on the field. There were a couple of checkdowns in the middle of the field, right at the line of scrimmage. But outside of that, everything was sideline, sideline, sideline. So we'll see if uh, Jesse Bates has a chance to break on grandpa Ben this week as the Bengals go to Heinz field in Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it for this episode of the lockdown Bengals podcast tomorrow. I believe we cross over. With Locked On Steelers, we start to shift our attention in full to week three. It's Pittsburgh week. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.